to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles tonight. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for revelation knowledge to flow from the Spirit of God. Father, open the eyes of our understanding that we may see what you see. We may take advantage of everything that Jesus provided for us on the cross. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for who we are and where we're at and what we're doing right now. And we give you the praise for all that you've given us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We've been talking over the past six or seven weeks basically about you can live in divine health. It's possible. It's not something that's basically just a whim or a hope or whatever. But uh, it's one of the privileges that you get when you were born again and entered into the kingdom of God. Once you entered the kingdom of God, healing was one of the privileges and benefits that came to you. You can walk in divine health. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. It says, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now we already know that we are a spirit. We have a soul, our mind, will, emotions, and imagination, and we live in this physical body. Here once again, it tells you that your spirit and body were bought with a price. One price paid for your spirit and also for your body at the same time. Say at the same time. And when was it bought? At the cross. At the cross. Thank you. Praise God. Yes. At the cross. So the result is you should glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now, if we're going to glorify God in our body and our spirit, how do we do that? How do we glorify God in our spirit? Well, the Bible says basically let the word of God dwell in you richly. It says be filled with the spirit. It tells you to build yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost. So these are all ways that we stay spiritually alive. We feed our spirit man. We build him up just like in the natural when you lift weights. It's all none of us. All these things are up to you. They're not up to God. They're up to us, whether we're going to be strong in the spirit or not. Number two is your body. The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now here it calls your body holy and acceptable. Say, my body, my body. Is, holy is holy and acceptable. Now, when did it become holy and acceptable? Did it do it 30 years after you went to church? Did it do 20 years after you did your best? No, the day that you got born again, you were a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And at that time, you were declared holy and blameless because of what Jesus did, not what you do. So many people in the church even today are struggling to become holy, struggling to become righteous, and you'll never do it on your own works because it was already provided for you at the cross by Jesus Christ. When you come out of religiosity and get into kingdom, you're going to find out that we do not magnify what we do, we magnify what he did. When you start magnifying what Christ already did for you, it will take care of what you do, wrong or right, in your life. So basically, your body was bought by God, it says here. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not a temple of sin. You're not a temple of sickness. You're not a temple of disease. You're not a temple of demons. You're a temple of the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. Now, the word bought here with a price, basically the one price it's talking about means I buy or I redeem or I buy back. So the word redeem here or bought means to I buy back. Why did God have to buy us back? 
because of sin, but who basically sold us out? Adam sold us out, didn't he? When he sold us out, basically at that time, we were disconnected from God. We were dead spiritually, and basically that caused us to die physically over a period of time. But here it says God bought us back. So Adam basically belonged to God. He was a good creation, but he sold man out to slavery. But God bought man back. He redeemed mankind with how many prices? One price. One price. Okay, go to Acts chapter 20. revelations you get out of the Bible and they're gradual revelations as you continue in the word your whole life you're just going to learn more and more about what you didn't know and basically when I, when I got in the Bible I started reading and I found out number one that everything I had belonged to God you know my money belongs to God my house belongs to God everything I have but when you get to this scripture here that we just read I found out that not only does my money and my car and my house but I belong to God and when you get to the I belong to God, it basically changes your desires and your will because now you have to do what the person who bought you wants you to do rather than you trying to do something and get him who bought you to help you do it. Ever been there? Yeah, the, the Bible says that we were created by him, but we were also created for him. He wasn't created for us. He didn't come here for us. Basically, we were created for him. So that tells me that not only does he own my money, he owns my car, he owns everything, really, but he also owns me. Hallelujah. All right, Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own what? All right, now we know, don't we, the price that was paid. What was the one price that was paid for me, for my body, for my spirit? It basically was the blood. So the blood redeemed me. The blood was payment for buying me back and when I took advantage of getting born again then God's blood bought me back so that I could be redeemed and purchased back to God in every single area of my life and what was the price paid his blood all right go to revelations chapter 5 All right, Revelation chapter 5, look at verse 9. It says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So here we see up in heaven, everybody's singing, everybody's rejoicing, and they're saying that you are worthy to open the book. Now, who are they talking about who's worthy to open the book? It's Jesus, isn't it? So it says, to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God. How? By the blood. Notice out of every kindred, tongue, people, nation. You know, there are going to be a lot of different people up there. Not just going to be all white, not black, not idiot. going to be all kind of people up there, praise God. Probably be a lot of people up there that we didn't think was going to be up there. going to be up there anyway. And there are probably going to be some people we thought would be up there and going to be up there at this time. Praise God. So notice what it says here. You were redeemed once again by the blood. This is a worship service in heaven. He is worthy because he was slain, which was Jesus, and we were redeemed to God by thy blood. Redeemed here is the same word as we read bought in the last scripture where he bought our spirit and he bought our, basically our body, who redeemed and bought us to God, Jesus. What was the price paid for redemption? The blood. What did the blood pay for? 
our spirit and our body. The blood not only shed for our spirit, but also for our body, so that we could be born again, but we could also live in divine health. Now, some teach, and I've heard it taught already, that your body's no good, the old sinful you, sin dwells in your body, there's no change until the rapture. But notice here it says you were bought, the lamb was slain, the blood was shed, not going to be, it has redeemed us, and your body is now a temple of the Holy Ghost. So all these things are done at the cross. They're past tense. They belong to us now. It's not something we're waiting in the future to get. And this is what really helped me in my relationship with God, because coming on a denomination, a lot of times, they build that, I'm unworthy, I'm just not so worthy, he's wonderful, I'm terrible, he's so great, and I'm so worthless, and all this stuff. But when I thought about it, everything that I buy with my money, I pay what I believe it's worth. Do you do that? I mean, if you see something's worth $20, you're going to give them $80 for it, are you? You're going to give them 20 bucks for the thing. Well, according to this, our worth towards God was paid for by the so you are as important to God as his own son using his to pay for you. I mean, no, that's a lot of money there, praise God. That's a lot of doing. So that helped me to think, my gosh, maybe he does like me. Maybe he does want me in heaven. Maybe he does care for me because, I mean, he, could have, he just could have killed a goat or a pig or something threw a little blood and did it. But no, he did it with his own blood, so that shows the worth. Now, what does the devil try to do? He's a thief. He tries to trespass on God's property, which is your body. He comes after your body. Sin, temptation comes. How many know if you're tempted to sin, it's not up to God to resist. It's up to you to resist sin. Why can you resist? Because your spirit was redeemed from sin by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when a symptom comes, how many know it's not up to God to resist? No, you got to resist because your body was redeemed from sickness by the blood. When a symptom comes to attack the body, you were bought with a price. Most people say as soon as they get a symptom, I believe I'm getting sick. I think I'm coming down with something. But when we're tempted with sin, I never heard anybody say, I believe I'm coming down with adultery. I believe I'm coming down with lying. I believe I'm coming down with cheating. No, we resist it and we stand against it, but we haven't been taught that sickness and disease at the same time was paid for at the same time. So basically, we don't resist it. We just go ahead and we accept it. No, we resist sin. Why? Because we have a right to resist sin. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, you resist sickness. Why? Because you have a right to divine health because of the blood has paid also for your body. Have you ever heard anybody say, don't come near me, I've got a cold? Have you ever heard that? Well, have you ever heard anybody say, don't come near me, I sinned yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> you never heard that, did you? But yeah, we're putting them in two different things, and it doesn't make sense the way that we talk that way. So basically, you're just as redeemed from sickness as you're redeemed from sin, and it's by what? That was shed where? How long ago? Long time ago. That's right. Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm sure none of you were there. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 18. It says, For as much as you know, say, I know, I know. 
Notice, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that was raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides how long? Forever. Now notice here it says you need to know this, that you were redeemed. Say, I was redeemed. redeemed. Now what was redeemed? Your spirit and your and your body by the precious blood or the lamb, the spotless lamb. Now notice verse 23 goes a little further in 22. 22 says, seeing you have purified your what? Your what? Now was your soul bought by God? No, your body and your spirit were bought by God. You have to renew your soul. So who's responsible to renew your soul? Oh, Lord, renew my soul. Oh, Lord, change me. Oh, Lord, no, 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 no. You're the one who has to renew your soul. How do I renew my soul? You obey the truth. It doesn't say you know the truth. It says you obey the truth. A lot of people know the truth, but they don't obey the truth because it's no fun to obey all the truth. It's more fun to pick and choose what truth you want to obey. So here it says you purify your souls by obeying the truth. There are several scriptures in the Bible that tell you how you can save your soul. But how many of you know that everybody tells you when you get born again, Jesus saved your soul? But he didn't save your soul. He born again your spirit. Your responsibility is to then save your soul by obeying the truth. Now, how do you obey the truth? Through the spirit. Say, through the spirit. So I don't want to renew my soul and, and obey the truth by my own will. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do that. I'm going to live by the spirit. Now, where's the spirit? He's on the inside of us. And he has a voice, don't he? And he talketh to you. Quite a bit on the inside of you. They call it your conscience. Well, I want to obey the word because the Spirit's telling me to obey the Spirit and the law and the truth rather than just do it because it's the right thing to do. See, in the Old Testament, everybody tried to obey the truth, but they couldn't do it because they were doing it just because they didn't want to, but because they better because every time they didn't obey the truth, all hell broke loose in their life. So I'm going to obey God. Why? Just because I want good thing. No, you obey God because you want to. There's a desire on the inside of you now to obey the truth, and the Spirit of God has got you to a place where it's easy for you to obey the truth because you're living inside out rather than outside in. See, how many of you ever heard the Spirit of God tell you not to do something, and how many of you did it anyway, and how many know it got all messed up? What happened? You didn't obey the truth. So your soul jumped right on that. Boy, the soul says, if this is the way we're going to do it, this is the way we're going to do it. And the more you did it, the more your soul got used to it. And then you got in a place where it became a, a stronghold in your life because you simply didn't obey the spirit. Are you following me tonight? So the soul's got to be worked on, don't it? Something's got to be done. It's got to be changed on the inside of it. And we do that by the word of God that we have on the inside of us with the spirit of God. So the blood was already shed for us. The price is paid. We can walk in divine health. Healing belongs to me. And the spirit of God will show you how to walk in what the blood has provided. Now, a lot of people apply the blood, and that's all right. But if you don't know what the blood provided, there's no sense applying the blood. 
I apply the blood on my health. I apply the blood on my house. I apply the blood on this. Well, what did he say about your house? What did he say about your, I don't know, but I'm applying the blood to the thing. No, applying the blood means you are taking advantage of what the blood supplied. So if you don't know what the blood supplied, are you following me? How can you walk in it and how can you claim it? You can't claim it. A lot of people believe they're still sinners saved by grace and they're applying the blood to themselves. Well, the blood is already provided for you. Come on. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So I'm going to take advantage of what the blood has done for me and I'm going to do that by the Spirit of God. We started, the first verse we ever read was, I wish above all things that we prosper and even as our so the problem that we have is not a physical problem many times. It's not a spiritual problem. It is a soul issue. Our mind, will, and emotions, what we're thinking. And the problem with most of us is we have been taught to think stupidly. We've been taught to think wrong. And we're serious about thinking wrong. Even though it's wrong, we think it's right. Because we were taught that. When the Holy Ghost comes in there with the Word of God and He starts changing it to a place to where we start prospering in our life by believing the truth and letting the Holy Spirit get the Word on the inside of us and let us live by the Spirit on the inside. So the first thing it'll do for you is start to change your thoughts. And when it starts to change your thoughts, it'll start to change your... See, there's some things you will not say now that you would have said a year ago. Like, I'm sick. I feel terrible. I'm coming down with something. I just don't know why this is. You won't say that if you've been studying the healing scriptures and know that that's not true at all. Basically, it's all falsehood that was put there. So what do I have? I have an unprosperous soul yet. And, and like I say once again, we're growing in this. Say we're growing in this. The seed plants and it grows and it grows and it grows. So many times when, when you get hit by something, you've got to keep growing. Don't back up. Just keep growing. Stay in the Word of God. Put that Word in there. The only thing that's really going to help you is the Word of God in these situations to plant that Word of God and let it grow on the inside of you. So somebody who says basically, you know, even though they, they've been taught that they're redeemed and everything else, they just say, well, praise God, you know, I just think I'm sick because I feel like I'm sick. Or somebody will say, I hope God heals me pretty soon. How many know that's a good hope? That's a good desire. But how many know it's not the full desire because you can't hope he heals you because he already... There's a big difference between hope and faith. Faith is now, hope is in the future. So I'm hoping God heals me. I hope he does it. And God will meet you where you're at if you're growing. But if you've been in a church for 52 years, hearing about healing and you still don't even know if God heals you, you're in trouble. You understand? It's just like babies, you know, our grandkids. They come, you give them a bottle. When they're five years old, I don't expect to give them one. Right. I expect by then they grew up and they're actually eating something by now, do you see? And it's the same way spiritually. We need to grow up in these things and come to a place to where we understand it's already been provided for each and every one of us. So those thoughts that come, you know, and people say, well, I believe I'm healed when the pain leaves my body. Well, if you just believe you're healed, the pain will leave your body. Yeah. See, it's backwards. No, no, when, when I don't feel like that anymore. How many of you ever said, I, I'll believe I'm saved when the sin goes away? No, we didn't. We received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We got born again, probably sinned in the next 15 minutes, but we knew that we were saved anyway, so we simply repented and moved on. It's the same way with sickness, disease, in our body. It was already paid for over 2,000 years ago. It's already been paid for. Now, we want to bring our soul up to a place where it believes what the Word says, and we do that by obeying the truth. So when something hits your body, a lot of times you're not going to be able to talk a whole lot. Because what wants to come out of your mouth and what should come out of your mouth 
are two different things. How many of you know that? So what are you going to do? Sometimes you're just going to have to be quiet. How are you doing? Hmm. How are you feeling today? Hmm. Hmm. You know, if you, if you can't really spit out, I'm healed, just don't say anything. It's better than doing anything else. But notice, it's already provided, and you'll come. I mean, if somebody walks up to you tonight, you're walking down the street, you're leaving here, and somebody walks up and says, are you saved? You wouldn't go, well, let's see. Do I feel saved? I wondered. No, yeah. No, you'd say, of course I'm saved. I'm born again. And uh, but now, are you healed? Well, I don't know. You know, I felt pretty good this morning, but I don't feel like... Why is that? Because our mind has been renewed to being born again and being saved. Nobody's going to talk you out of that. It's been preached to you over and over and over, but nobody preaches the healing part of it. So we've separated the two from each other, and one's already provided and done, and the other one we hope God will do for us sometime. See, and we've got to make that connection with our soul, basically. And basically, it was provided here in verse 19 by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without what? A spot. All right, go to First Corinthians chapter five. And we're talking about healing, but this goes with every area of your life. That's why if you learn to work the word into one area of your life, you learn to work the word in the other area of your life. In other words, it works with finances. How's your finances doing? Well, we just never have any money. It's never going to work for us. How many know it's not working for you because your soul once again is not prospering? He said, "I will meet all your needs according to His riches in." Well, how you doing? How you, well, I just keep failing. I'm just a sinner. No, no. He says you already have the divine nature of God, and you partake of it by believing the precious promises, not by believing how you feel or how you look. So basically, if I get down where I start to renew my mind on healing, I want to renew it on finances. I want to renew it on being blessed and prosperous. I want to renew it to be walking in love. I want to renew it in patience so that you can be the third most patient man in the world. Since I'm first and he's second, you can step into the third role, praise God, in doing that. But you do that by renewing your mind to the word of God. Like him tonight. He never thought of that before. You get behind the train, you get all mad. But now the word got into him. And all at once there's a train. And he's about ready to blow that thing up with dynamite. And on the inside of him says, you are the most patient man in the world. And the first thing you want to say, I hate that verse. But then you obey it. We obey by the Spirit. And what happens the next time it happens, that voice will be louder than it was the last time. And it helps you to live in patience then, praise God. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 7. It says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. So first of all, it says Christ without blemish. Here it says basically you can purge out the old leaven. Now what leaven is it talking about here? It's talking about wrong teaching. It's talking about tradition. It's talking about things that already got in your lump before you got born again. Here it says purge out the old leaven in you that you may be, say be, be. that you may be a new lump, not become one, but be a new lump. Why? Because you're already a new lump. Now, we could talk about the old, uh, being on the old wheel of God grinding you down. We could have a whole new teaching about that. That stuff is garbage. God is not grinding you into becoming a new creation. You are a new creation, and you receive by faith, not by God grinding you into the ground to teach you a lesson. It's been taught all over the place. It's not scriptural. It doesn't belong there. It's not understood. So here he says, basically, you're a new lump. And you're going to purge that. And notice what happened here, basically. It was because of the Passover sacrifice. Say the Passover sacrifice. Passover. Now, the Passover sacrifice is probably relating to what? 
the Passover. Hallelujah. I know that's deep. But the Passover is a, without blemish is relating to the Passover. So let's go back and look at the Passover. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Jesus is our Passover lamb. All right, Exodus chapter 12, did you find it? All right, let's just start in verse 5. It says, And you shall have a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from among the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now he's talking about when the death angel was coming around. And they shall take of the blood, and they shall strike it onto the two side posts, and on the upper door of the posts of the house written therein. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remains shall be burnt there of the fire. So here he's talking about the death angels coming around, which could, you could simplify as sickness, the curse, anything else was coming around to the children of Israel. He said, this is what you need to do. Take a lamb without blemish. Sound familiar? Yes. Crucify that. Kill that lamb, and then take the blood and put it upon their doorpost. Now notice what else he says. He said, make sure you eat the entire lamb. The church has picked and choose what part of the lamb they want to partake of. They want to take salvation, but they don't want to take healing. They want to take joy. They don't want to take healing. They want to, no, no, you're supposed to eat the whole lamb, what the lamb provided for each and every one of them. So they killed the lamb and they put the blood where? On the doorpost. All right, look at verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So what was going on here? He said, when you put the blood on the door, basically, the death angel and the curse will not be able to get to you because of what? Because of the blood. Because of the blood. So this is a type and shadow of the New Testament. Now we have the real lamb, not the Passover sheep or whatever they had back then. The real lamb without blemish, which was Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, basically, that blood was then bought our body and bought our spirit at that time. So the blood is already on you like it would be on the doorpost. And the curse has to pass you by because you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So it's the same thing as it was there. And we see here, you know, these are people who are beat up. They're down and out. They were servants. There were three million of them, and it didn't touch any of them. My God, do you think the church will ever come to that? Or don't touch any of them. It can't get to any because the blood was put upon the doorpost. Now, if an ordinary lamb in the Old Testament could be killed and put on the doorpost and save the people, what do you think the blood of Jesus in the New Testament 
Come on, that ought to be strong enough to keep us walking in victory, keep us walking in health, keep us walking in prosperity, keep walking in anything, because it's not the blood of bulls and goats now, but it is the blood of Jesus Christ himself. And I found out in my own life, whatever you know the blood has provided for you, if you claim that, the anointing always follows what the blood has provided. That's good. You better write that down if you didn't. Yeah. What does the anointing back up? Whatever the blood has provided. So when you walk up to somebody and say, healed in the name of Jesus, what have you done? You've released what the blood has provided. The anointing of God can now back up what the blood has provided. It can back up sickness. It can back up weakness. It can back up loss of money. It can back up being broke. It only backs up what the blood has provided. So it's good if you know what the blood has provided. Otherwise, the anointing will not do you any good anyway. It backs up with the blood. So once they put the blood on the doorpost, the anointing of God filled that place. And how many know the curse isn't as big as the anointing? In that day, the Bible says, you shall be set free and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the... Why? The anointing is a lot bigger than the curse, isn't it? So once we start walking in the things that the blood has provided for us, it continues the anointing working on the inside of us, and the anointing will break how many yokes? Every yoke off of our life, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Leviticus chapter 14. We'll give you one more Old Testament here. Leviticus chapter 14. You can really glean from these Old Testament things here. It's not things that we do anymore, some of the, some of the things that they did and some of the traditions they did, but it'll show you, give you keys to walking in divine health, walking in prosperity, walking to those things. So Leviticus chapter 14, look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. Now we know what we're talking about. What are we talking about? The law of the leper. Say the law of the leper. Or you can say the law of sickness and disease. Look at verse 4. Then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, two birds, alive and clean, and cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Now here's what they did. They took two birds. Both were alive. And basically they had cedar wood. What do you think the cedar wood represented in the New Testament? The cross. It represents the cross. Scarlet basically would represent suffering and also would represent the blood that was shed on the cross. And hyssop is another term in the Old Testament for faith. So those three things, how many know they have to do with the cross? Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 5. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Now, who was the bird in an earthen vessel who was killed over running water in the New Testament? It was Jesus. Notice, he in an earthen vessel. He was killed. Look at verse 6. As for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. So one bird was killed. The blood was put on the good bird. That bird wasn't killed. How many know that bird was alive and doing well? All right, look at verse 7. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed of the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. My God, I'm telling you what, this Jesus. So he takes the bird, sprinkles it in the blood. He takes the blood from the bird. Here stands this leper, put the blood on him. And once he put the blood on him, he declared him clean. But notice, he wasn't 
clean in the natural. He was a bloody leper. Are you following me? So although he's a bloody leper still standing there, the priest still declared him. Why did he declare him? He declared him clean because of the that was on the. Well, I'm not going to say I'm healed before I feel better because you got more faith in the symptom than you do the blood. See, even in the Old Testament, they declared him clean before they were. Why? They believed the bird blood was enough to heal him. And as far as they were concerned, as soon as he got in the blood, it was over with. He was healed whether he had the scabs all over him or not. But the New Testament, we're smarter than the Old Testament people. See, we're not going to believe anything till we feel it, till we see it, till it happened. But notice, it was because of the blood. Now, if they could believe the leper, I mean, a leprosy is probably not a very good disease back then. I never experienced it, but I know it's not very good. They put blood on him, and they declared him, even though he didn't look healed, declared him healed because of the so that means we can pronounce ourselves healed simply because of the and not of how we feel how we look what's going on what anybody said well the doctor said i'm sick well the blood said you're healed see which are we going to believe again the blood's a powerful thing if you know what it provided for you and know how to use it yeah once you put it on praise god and understand that it's already provided for you. So this bird basically, you know, if a guy, a leper can stand there with bird blood on him and then declare him healed, we ought to come to the point where we can declare ourselves healed even when we have symptoms in our body. Are you, are you following me to take it? Hallelujah. Okay, go to Colossians chapter 1. This is good if, if you get this stuff and you look at it and you meditate on it because once in a while you'll get attacked with a symptom and you'll see yourself standing there with them throwing bird blood on you. Uh -huh. See, and you'll think, well, they thought I was healed in the Old Testament with bird blood, but I got better blood than that. So bless God, I'll tell you right now, I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, bless God, and I'm walking in divine health because that was provided for me. You can get an attitude. Hallelujah. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we will get redemption when we die and go to heaven, get redeemed when we finally get redeemed, no, in whom we have redemption through his, even the forgiveness of. So here it's telling us what? The day that you got born again and moved from one kingdom to the other kingdom, at that time, basically, because of the blood, you now have redemption. You have been bought back. You are now in the kingdom of God. You're under the privileges of the kingdom of God. And basically, healing is provided for you because you've been redeemed by what? By the blood. By the blood. All right, go to Galatians chapter 3. just need to talk healing all the time, I'm telling you. Somebody says, how you doing? Oh, it's so good to be healed. Praise God, it's just so good to be. I didn't ask you if you were healed, but I just felt like saying it. Praise God. So good to be healed. Praise God. It's just so wonderful. Because you know what? Healed is better than sick. No symptom is better than symptoms. It just is. But, and we're all growing, and we're getting in there. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. Here it says that Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from what? 
the curse of the law. He was made a curse for us. How many know he was made a curse on the cross? Anyone that hangs on a tree is cursed. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. So here it talks about the the cross or the tree again. That's where the great substitution and the great exchange took place. Christ was made sin, you were made righteous. Christ was made poor, you were made rich. Christ was made sick, you became healed. Christ was made the curse, and you became redeemed from the curse. The curse basically is spiritual death that Adam sold us out into. It's sin, it's sickness, it's worry, it's fear. It's all these things that came from the curse. Look at verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might do what? Come on you. So notice, once he went to the cross and you got born in the kingdom of God, now the blessing of Abraham and all the blessings of Scripture can come on you. But it doesn't say God blesses you. It says basically those can come on you. Now who determines whether they come on you or don't come on you? You do, whether you obey the word of God or not. When you obey the word of God, the blessing can't help it. It's got to come all over you. It's got to come on you. Financial blessings got to come. You know, healing's got to come. All these things got to come. And notice what else it says, that you might receive the promise of what? The Spirit. Now, this is why, of course, Jesus went to the cross. One of the main reasons was that you could once again have someone by the name of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Once the Spirit of God came inside of you because you were made righteous that day and you became a righteous vessel for the Spirit of God, now the Spirit of God comes in. He starts to lead you and guide you into all truth, tries to grow you up, tries to show you. The Bible says He will show you everything that was freely given to you. He never shows you things that you've got to earn or qualify for. He shows you things that were freely well, that's a big word, freely given to you. He says, with Christ, didn't God freely give you all things? Well, the church don't want freely. The church wants to earn them. How are you doing financially? Great, praise God. I've just been doing everything right. I'm just the greatest person in the whole wide world, praise God. And no, it's simply because you believe the word of God. Christianity, if you look it up, it was first called Believers. I know that's deep. Believers. But what did they believe? The scripture. That's what Christianity was. Now we got Christianity, don't even know the scriptures, much less believe the scriptures, and we're still calling it Christianity. You can call it whatever you want, but it's not going to work in your life until you know what they are and then you believe those things are. So here it says here, he did all that so that you could receive someone by the name of the Holy Ghost, basically. But notice what he did. He redeemed us from the curse. So are you redeemed from the curse tonight? Yes. All right, go to Deuteronomy 28. People say, well, I'm redeemed from the curse. Well, what is a curse? I don't know, but I'm redeemed, praise God, from it. As long as I'm redeemed, I don't really care what it is. Well, you've got to know what it is, praise God. All right, Deuteronomy 28, let's just read uh, verses 1 and 2 just to prove the point we just talked about. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord God will set thee high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee. Don't say God will bless you. He says if you do these things, all these blessings shall do what? 
come on thee, and they shall overtake thee if you hearken unto the law of the Lord. All right, go up to verse 15 now. Now it talks the other way. But if you shall come to pass that you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon you, and they shall what? Overtake you. And then it goes on with the curses. Now from here on the rest of this chapter, it's an ugly chapter because it talks all about the curses that come upon people. It says, curse thou shalt be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Basically, you're going to be cursed wherever you go. You can't run away from it. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Your business shall be cursed. Things around you shall be cursed. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. What's it talking about? Sickness and disease. Verse 19, cursed shall you be when you come in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. All these are the curse and under the curse. Verse 22 is consumption. Fever, inflammation, extreme burning, mildew, praise God. Skip down to verse 25. You be smitten before your enemies. Verse 27, you're going to have the botch of Egypt. You're going to have emeroids. You're going to have scab. You're going to have the itch. I mean, all them go together, I think. I don't know. Verse 28, the Lord shall smite thee with blindness, shall smite thee with madness. Verse 30, you shall betroth the wife, and another man shall lie with her. How many know the divorce rates? Way up there. Verse 32, thy sons and thy daughters shall be given to another people. We're losing our children. Because why? We're living under the curse yet. We're still under the curse. You can read the whole thing. It would take forever, but everything in there you want to probably don't want to read it anyway, praise God. Look at verse 61. It says, also, every sickness and every plague, which isn't even written in this book of the law, to them will the Lord allow upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now we found out why does the Lord allow them upon you? Because you choose to do them by not obeying the word. We went over this and you know, go back to week one and two and you'll see this covered, praise God. We talked about it. So notice, in case he missed anything other than the botch and the scab and the itch, there's still some other sicknesses out there and he wants to let it know that the, all these are underneath what? The curse of the law. But how many know we've been redeemed Amen. from the curse of the law? All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. And honestly say, I've never had somebody come say, pray for me, I got the botch. <laughs> Probably say, did you just come from Egypt? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 12. It says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now there's quite a bit here. Look at verse 12. So it wasn't by the blood of goats and calves, was it? But by his own blood, he entered in how many times? Once. Now, how many know once is a big word there? Because in the Old Testament, the high priest went in all the time to take care of people. But now he says this new high priest, Jesus Christ, went in not with blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood. And he went in how many times? Went in one time. How many know he's not going to go in again? So he's not going to go provide for your healing again, is he? He's not going to go back in there. Even if you're extra special to him, he's not going to go back in and do it. It's not going to take place. So he entered it once into the holy place, having obtained what kind of redemption? 
Eternal. Now, how many know that? Once again, that word's a long time. Praise God. I'm telling you what. So he did not provide for you redemption just for today. And tomorrow it goes away. And Wednesday it comes back. And Friday it comes back. No. It's an eternal redemption, which means you have been eternally redeemed from sickness and disease and the botch and the itch and everything else that's out there. You have been eternally redeemed from them. Jesus provided for it with his own blood. So I want to put faith in what his blood provided again, and he provided for it eternally. Now, it's tough for us because when we feel good, we believe we're healed. When we don't feel good, we believe we're sick. When we feel better again, we believe we're healed. But notice, the redemption's not what's changing. The word's not changing. We're changing. Why? Because our soul is in control. Our feelings and emotions are rising up above the word. The Bible says you need to cast down Every thought and imagination that tries to exalt itself against what? The Word of God. So your mind's going to argue. Your soul's going to argue. Hey, we're hurting here. Hey, this is bad. Hey, this is terrible. Your spirit's going to say, you have an eternal redemption. And hey, you're not feeling good. Hey, you're not. and it's a battle, isn't it? Mind wars are going on. So we've got to come to a place where this seed of the Word grows up and becomes a tree that the birds sit under rather than pick the seeds up and go. So we continue to put it in. We continue to study it. Notice what it says the blood also does. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your what? Going to purge your conscience. So as we start to walk into things of the blood, your soul is going to start to be renewed to the things that the blood has provided. And there's going to come a time when our soul, like with salvation, our soul and our spirit become one. So there's no argument. When somebody says, are you born again? You will say yes, and your soul doesn't argue with you anymore. It doesn't even question it anymore. It says, that's right, that's right, that's right, they're saved. Well, you can get to a place where you can say, God meets my needs according to his riches and glory. And your soul will say, that's right, that's right. It won't say, look at your bank account, look at your bank account, look at everything going on. No, it'll become one. Do you see? That's what God wants us to do, to renew our soul to our spirit so the two are in the same. Now, how many know if you got both going together, it's going to be easy to handle your physical body. Everybody knows two's better than one. Well, your physical body gets caught in the middle because the soul, uh, spirit, I'm healed. Soul says, I'm healed, I'm sick, I'm healed, I'm sick, I'm sick. Your body says, I don't know what the heck to do here. I don't know to be sick or be healed or what I'm going to do here. Because basically, and once again, it says you can defile your body by the words of your... So if we get into the soul part of it and get out of the spirit and the truth of the word of God and start talking, our body will have to follow what our soul's letting us speak out of our mouth. And we don't want to do that, do we? No, we want to do what the Word of God does here. So it says here that he can purge your conscience from dead works. Now, what's dead works? Dead works is what you do to try to get what Jesus already provided for you. There's a lot of people in dead works right now in the churches. They're doing their best. They're praising God so that God will do something instead of praising God because he did something. Big difference. They're confessing the Word so God will do something rather than confessing the Word because he did something. It's a big difference. You know, symptom hits your body. Oh, I got to heal. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Why are you doing that? Because you're trying to convince God to heal you, but you don't understand he already. So you'd be saying, I'm healed. There's a difference between saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, and I'm healed. <laughs> All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Somebody trying to cut in on my sermon. It ain't going to work. I'm going to finish. I'm 
telling you, the best thing about this whole thing, if you learn how to receive from God in just one area of your life, the rest of it becomes easy because you receive the same way everything that God provided for you. No matter what it is, it's the same thing. You simply put the word of God in. It grows up, first the plant, then the ear, and then the ear and the corn, and everything else, and it grows into that spot. It's simple to receive and trust God. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. Oh, we've got to go back to verse, start in verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. Before the world was even here, you were already chosen. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Say, I'm accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now look at the next verse. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all what? Has, has he abounded toward you in all wisdom? Has he? Then why is everybody praying that he'd give you wisdom? Either he has abounded towards you in wisdom or he hasn't abounded towards you wisdom. So I'm going to say, praise God, I get in a situation where I'm just going to got the wisdom, praise God, and I... I'm going to walk in wisdom today. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm just going to go on with my life, and the Spirit of God will reveal it to you. And how many know God will talk to you anyway? You can go in the bathroom, and God will speak to you. I mean, you know, if you need to get heard. So what's he doing? The wisdom is already on the inside of us because Christ is on the inside of us, and Christ is. The wisdom of Christ is the power of God. Christ is the righteousness of God. All these things are already on the inside of them, but you activate them by claiming that you have them or knowing that you have them, not just claiming. And by knowing you have them, you just relax and they operate in your life without trying to get them to operate. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say we have redemption. We have redemption. So our spirit and our body at the cross, they have been redeemed. If you're sick then, this means you're sick illegally. Sickness is a consequence of the curse, but you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So now you get redeemed, but how many know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Now notice, if redemption don't belong to you to begin with, he cannot steal it. If healing don't belong to you to begin with, he cannot steal it because you didn't have it to begin with. So he has to be stealing something that you have. So you have redemption, you have peace, you have joy. He comes to steal what you now have. So what are you going to do? You're going to resist the devil and he will do what? Flee. He will flee. All right, go to Psalm 107. Sometimes I say, no more bad days for me. I don't have any more bad days. Some other times I say, no more sickness and disease for the rest of my life. Sickness and disease, days are over with. Those kind of things you need to talk to yourself about. You need to quote. You need to build in. Even if you're feeling good, you need to prepare. All right, Psalm 107, look at verse 1. It says, give thanks unto the Lord because he is what? For his mercy endures how long? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who he has redeemed from the hand of the what? 
All right, so here it tells you what to do. The Lord is good. Sickness is bad. The Lord is good. The curse is bad. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath. Say hath. How many know that's past tense? He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So I'm not going to talk sickness. I'm not going to talk disease. I'm going to talk about my redemption. And I'm going to continue to talk about being redeemed, be healed, be delivered. So he really has, the enemy has no legal right to, well, he can attack you, but to get into your body because he has redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. So now what am I going to do? You know, we sing the one song here about say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's be an old, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, says the Lord. We used to sing that back in the old days. Back in the old days, all we sang was scriptures, praise God. How many know that was good? Yeah. <laughs> all right, go to Revelations chapter 12. All right, Revelations chapter 12. Look at verse 7. Love this little scripture here. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Hallelujah. How many know the devil got the left fellowship in heaven? And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Notice, Satan cannot accuse you before God anymore. He got thrown out of heaven. If you're living in guilt, it's because he's accusing you to you. And you're believing him. All right, verse 11. But, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So here it tells you how we live in victory. We live by the blood of who? What did the blood provide in your life? Provided healing. It provided redemption. It provided all these things provided for you, but also by the word of your what? Testimony. So the word of your testimony needs to line up with the redemption that you have and what the blood has provided on you. When you put those two together, the enemy cannot penetrate anymore into your life. You'll have no more worries. You'll have no more cares. You'll have no more fears. You'll have no more of anything because basically you're living a redemptive life. So once again, you can say, let the redeemed of the Lord say, say so. so. And you can walk around all day long and just go, so, 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 so. I mean, nobody will get mad at you. They won't understand what you're saying, you know. How you doing today? So? Say, that guy's nuts. No, you know what it means, but they don't. It's better than saying I'm redeemed. You can get in trouble saying that, but so? You can get away with so? 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 Hallelujah. All right. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for revealing to us that we are redeemed. We thank you for what Jesus has done in our life, and we give you the praise and glory for it. Father, we just thank you for the blood and for all that he's done for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, you redeemed people. the king.